Welcome to the Measure Success Podcast, where we feature top leaders on how they measure success in their business and life. Now, let's learn from their experiences. Carl J. Cox here. I'm the host of the Measure Success Podcast, where I talk with top leaders about effective strategies that inspire success. This episode is brought to you by 40 Strategy. 40 Strategy is built to make strategy work for small to medium-sized companies and organizations by helping them design world-class strategic plans and keeping them accountable to get it done. Go to 40strategy.com to learn more. We have also really excited about it. We've actually started a brand new course that you can now get on Zoom. And so go to 40strategy.com to learn more. It is going to help you design your strategic plan for you in a group type session so you can help take all this information knowledge that we learn on a week-to-week basis with all of our clients, with all of our guests to help propel their organizations faster. So feel free to learn more, or you can also email admin at 40strategy.com. So with that, really excited to talk to our next guest, who is Greg Sheldon. He is a, I love this, a medium for generations of hardworking metal and steel people. And it, as I said, if it wasn't for us, your modern life wouldn't be possible. I love that, by the way, you know, Greg, because, you know, you think about it, um, when COVID was happening, people still had to make things so they can be at home, right? So they could have a desk to be on, so they could have all the modern stuff. But we'll, we'll continue on here. With nearly yeah. 20 years of hands-on industry experience in metalworking, business development management, he's a steward of the MMC vision, driven by the objective to bring more value, care, and speed to industrial metals, manufacturing, and distribution industries. Greg, welcome to the Measure Success Podcast. Carl, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Um, I had forgotten what I had sent to you, um, and it's interesting to hear it. Um, Yeah, it's thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. And we've had several conversations now, so that's what I like. We always try to we almost always, um, except for two exceptions, um, get to talk with our guests ahead of time and um, get to know them a little bit more, understand how to change them. We actually qualify too, so not everybody has an opportunity to get on. And Greg, I think you have a really interesting story. Have you got to there? Why don't you first share about, you know, what's what's driving you today? What are you doing today and how are you making a difference in the world? Um, that's a great question. And I, I'm a big I'm a, I'm a loyal guy, right? And I didn't learn that until recently because I really started to analyze what my story was, like, you know, being introspective about why is it that I do what I do? And I started at a young age in the metal industry, you know, started with welding and building things and uh, had a passion for it. On the way through, I had a lot of really good mentors, you know, um, in the industry, but outside of it also. And what happened was is that a lot of things happened over, over my career, but I got to a point where it was like, okay, I was looking for another opportunity because one didn't work out and that's fine. That's life. And, but I felt a, a duty to the industry and that duty was bringing some innovations that weren't exactly, you know, that I wasn't seeing that was happening in other industries. Um, and the but the funny thing about that was is that that happened, and I still have that feeling and that 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 thesis that interest, 
but in talking so to so many business founders and people in the industry, you know, I started to realize like I'm standing on the shoulders of these people, right? And they brought me through the career. So I felt a duty to them to really see this industry go from, you know, their business to help them exit properly to, um, to see if we can get them as much money as possible within reason, obviously, but also the people that are already, that are in that company to pave a, a future for them. That's exciting. That's interesting. And um, because back to what a, the original um paragraph that you said was is you know this is an industry that is pivotal to our modern economy everything you can think of has metal in it and if it doesn't directly metal is a connection in between it somehow so it's one of those industries that kind of people seem to um forget is there and i can understand why that is it's just not in your face but it is there and we've got a lot of people in the industry that are really awesome and we want to bring some more awesome people into it. And uh, it's exciting to me. I've always been a fascinated, been always fascinated by metal, but architecture as well. So just somehow, just from the way I grew, I, I love it. And I just want to share that with the world. And, and again, a generation of people that work their asses off to make it where it is today. Right. So. Yeah, no, it's it's and why I brought up in the intro where I was talking about I interrupted your, your bio I was talking through is that when I made that comment about COVID is when everything else was shutting down, not to say everything, but a lot of things were shutting down, we still had to make steel, right? We still had to make products and, and those people still had to show up to work. Those in the technology information age, they had the, the, the opportunity, right, to still work from home and or they figured it out, right, how to work from home. But those who weren't, they had to show up each day and mm -hmm. get things done. Otherwise, once again, products would not be coming to their door and those businesses would go out of business, right? Like literally, you know, if they weren't continuing to manufacture and make things. And so there's this, um, I don't know, durability, toughness is what I was experiencing when I was traveling during quote unquote, the COVID age, you know, for a couple of years when I didn't post, I was traveling. Yeah, extensively because these these folks were still making things. Yeah, and yeah. and so, but it would, but of course, I didn't post things because they scared me because I thought I had the plague, and and <laughs> so I had to quietly say things so we can still operate, and do other things around. Okay. So, you you work with this really tough, you know, hardworking industry, right? That gets things, but you also work with the concept of, hey, we have a business owner that we know, and and they want to sell their business, right? They want to create value from it because they've you know, whatever it is, whether they had it for five, 10, 15, 20, 30 years, maybe it's second, third generation, mm -hmm. right? They, they've determined they're ready to create this additional value from it, right? To get a new owners to help come in and perhaps buy it out, perhaps going to be still be a part of the future. You know, they just need more equity, perhaps to help make investments, perhaps they need acquisitions. So I'm curious, when you run into somebody for the first time, they're like, hey, I want to raise money to to uh for my business or to buy out my business yeah what's the first things you try to understand from them to make sure they're making the right decision first thing is i want to get to know them that is you know i want to have a conversation with them i want to ask them questions like what is it you're really trying to solve and i learned this from somebody along the way that like not one why isn't enough you got to keep asking another why 
and another why and then the five whys of like if we can distill this break this down into what is it that's really motivating you to sell your business or increase its value or what is it is it because you want more money in retirement is it because you want to set up your family long term is it you you're tired you just don't want to do it anymore you know or like that there's thousands of reasons that it's just getting to the bottom of that and then solving that for them. Right. Um, and sometimes that stuff, you know, I do a lot of that for free, you know, up front where it's like, okay, we got to solve this problem. Like I've got somebody in San Diego where I'm helping them. They just, they need to, they want to increase revenue. Right. So I'm providing them. It's adding value, man. As you know, that that's what it's about. It's a value add collaboration economy um, that we're in more than ever and everybody's on board with that which is great so so really to answer your question getting to the bottom of it and then financials are important too it's understanding what's going on in the business because that's a, a kpi a key performance indicator right and fortunately i've seen enough financials to know what what's working and what isn't and there are some benchmarks you can look at, like cost of goods sold tells you how efficient your guys are. You know, there's standards within the industry for expenses. Now, some of the verticals in the metals industry are a little different, like service centers are different than fabrication or machine shop. Like they're all within the industry, but those are different verticals, right? So they have different benchmarks, but it's knowing what those are and knowing what to look for. And then asking the question again, why? Why is it that this number is higher than the industry standard? And then asking more questions. So, so that's that's where it starts. And then, of course, from there, you got to take action. You got to implement things. And then I got to go to my network because I don't know everything. I'm, you know, I'm just a guy. <laughs> so I go to people that know a lot more than me because I don't know. You know, I, I, I would. It would be silly for me to think that I knew everything. And. Uh, I am smart enough to know I'm not smart enough is what I say a lot. So, well, that that's wisdom right there, right? Of, of being aware that there is always other great connections to help get with, connect with, uh, to help make sure we can solve problems right at the end of the day. Cause to assume we know all things is just silly. Right. Yeah. And, um, and at worst arrogant, right? When we think we know everything, you know, because there's there's definitely better ways, more opportunities. So yeah. you go down this path. I love this concept. You help them understand why they want to sell it. And then secondly, you help figure out how they're making money, right? You know, because ultimately somebody acquiring them in most cases is trying to buy them because they're trying to figure out how much more money they can make off that acquisition, right? Yeah. That's that's what people miss is that there is a, a money purpose. Now, sometimes it's because they're trying to buy out a competitor. Sometimes there's what I call more strategic reasons rather than mm -hmm. just a money increase. And so that's important to evaluate as well because sometimes the yes. money you're getting offered is going to be wildly different mm -hmm. based, on, based on the buyer's needs. But I want to talk about that owner again of, okay, so, so do you ever talk to them about what's next? Do you help them visualize what's going to happen after you sell? Uh, yes. And that is not so much in their life. I mean, that's just not my business, but, uh, you know, certainly I'm thinking, and maybe there's other people for that. Maybe you're good for that part, but I, I'm more focused on what, you know, the industry, like what happens to the business after they leave, 
And I'm always interacting with that network to say like, what is it you care about? What do you care about? What happened, you know, when you leave and retire, like what is it that's important to you? And resoundingly it's that the people are cared for. And, and that is part of my philosophy is I'm going to go into the company. I'm going to get to know the guys. I'm going to go down the floor and talk to them and work with them because I know the stuff, right? Like I, I can, I can shoot the shit. I can, I can weld, I can fabricate, I can design because I've done a lot of that stuff. Um, and then it's um, creating the authorship within the organization from the people that know it better than me and everybody else is the guys on the floor. They know that business and it's communicating with them and asking them like, what, what do you think we should do here? Right. Um, and, you know, equity incentives, I, I believe, I have a belief that at this point in time, from the evidence that, you know, 401ks and depending on the country you're in, they have different names, but retirement is, is going to, is hard now based on if you were just to live off of that is going to be nearly impossible at this point. So what's, what is it going to be in uh, 30, 40 years when my generation wants to retire? Well, it's going to be, I can't imagine it's going to get better. I hope it does, but it probably won't. So I want to create that equity option for people in the company and all people in the company. So, so that's, you know, where I see things going. And we've seen that from, you know, some of the larger investment or not investment banks, but private equity, like KKR, you know, they're doing these things too. Um, Pete Stravos, you know, ha has spearheaded that. Um, and certainly there's some tax advantages there too, but their motivations from what I can tell are all good. It's all about the people. And it's exciting to see the reaction from these people. So, so that's the that's where I'm going with that. But, um, yeah, it's really defining that, and that's kind of just the core thing that I that I go into every situation with is because I look at it as if somebody is buying the company that I was working for, I don't want them coming in and just you know firing people and, and making it miserable. I want to create an experience that I would want to see, right? So, and it's always that's always the thing when it comes to these types of uh, visions is like you. It's a, a necessity is the invention, or how is this? What's the saying? Necessity is the mother of all inventions, yes, or something. Yes, something. yeah, you're right, right, right. When somebody doesn't see something in the market, they go and make it, right? And that's kind of what we're doing here. And uh, it, it's just it's it's interesting. It's fun. So I don't know if that answers your question, Carl, but. Well, I, I, I think once again, I think what I, one of the things I just want to dive into and just comment on, which I appreciated where there are some equity firms that are looking at like KKR um, who are looking at getting equity for all people. And, and I think the, the key value around that is whenever you can get the entire company aligned. Yes. Of where the direction is going and that there is, a reward for them yes for the company to get sold like so many times when a transaction happens there is no reward there's just hope that they have their next job and they hope that the next set of managers and bosses are nice right like yeah. literally that that's like their only hope um but when it's like wow when we create value and we work our tails off to create value they might have the opportunity from perhaps buying a car to a down payment on a house to 
you know, who knows, maybe it's a significant amount to their own retirement, right, that they're going to be able to get as a result. And I think that that's when it's really exciting, right? It was when we create deals, right? That is truly a win-win for all people mm-hmm. that are involved, not only in, in the selling, but in the next group, right? As it moves yeah. forward. Because often, especially when it gets into PE, these deals keep churning, right? You can have a company go to a different set of owners every five years, yep. right? And, and go through that process because each person thinks they're creating more value. So let's, let's business-wise, I'm kind of curious. And of course, what I like to ask on, on the podcast, Measuring Success, how then do you measure, I guess I'll ask it for you and then for your clients. No, no, let's ask it with your clients first. How are you measuring success for your clients when you're working with them? How do I measure success? I, it's a great question. I, I have an answer to that. I, I'm not sure how I would measure that. I guess what I would say is there the their reactions with their people like how is it going with their people right like and you know there's a great example of a guy in michigan and he's not a client of mine but i look to him as inspiration because he we connected i can't remember how exactly but he runs his business on core values and that and that's how he does the hiring process if you don't fit these core values we're not hiring you and I thought, wow, that's amazing. And this kid's 27 years old. So I'm looking at that and I'm thinking that is really the measure of success is how is everything going internally within an organization, right? Um, And that's what I look at. So to put it into, and financials, financials are a big one because it shows you what is happening in a business. And despite what anybody may think, you have to, Profit shows how a business is doing. Um, and that is the network effects of the people in the business. Are they talking about it? Because if you're working for somebody that you don't like, you don't go home and talk about it. Well, if you do, you talk badly about it, right? So it's a ne- negative network effect. So um, clients, clients are tough. They really are. I find that today building trust in both directions is hard. Going to them is hard to build trust. So I think it's the Greg, you know, thank you for sending me this guy. Thank you for helping me find this opportunity. And it's not about the money. So it's it's about the the connection I get from that person. That's how I measure it. I appreciate that. I appreciate the thoughtfulness, you know, as thinking through that, right? Because it's always, it's important, right? You know, how do we ultimately, you know, measuring success for our clients and and what you're doing. Um, Now, I I did want to share, this is what I love about Zoom is we get to talk with people throughout the world. And and, um, you're you're in that area, Greg, we talked, we were joking about in the U.S. weather maps, they don't show like Canada exists. Like there's no cities above there. That <laughs> cracks me up. It's like, what do you mean? There's like actually a lot of people over there. Um, Greg, where again do you, because you live a bit out up north and uh, you say about, uh, and so um, uh, uh, where, uh, where exactly in Canada again, where are you located? I am at a little town called Portland, Ontario. It's uh, north of Kingston, which is about three and a half hours east of Toronto. So um but you know what? I, I 
I love the U.S. I don't know what it is. Ever since the like early childhood, I always look to the U.S. and the big U.S. corporations to inspire me, and they still do to this day. And even just like I said earlier, the architecture of like going and seeing a city in the U.S. is just remarkable to me. Um, I mean, Toronto is too, but I don't know. There's something about the U.S. So anyway, like you said, we have the opportunity today to do business anywhere, you know, and we were forced into that. But I look at it as a positive thing. Right. So. That's amazing. I mean, it's absolutely remarkable, right? That, that um, you know, I used to use Zoom way prior to COVID and it was so hard to get actually somebody to connect to it and then get them to turn on the camera, right? That was like a- Oh, I know. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, turn the camera, whoa. You know, <laughs> and then, and, then and, and so super big challenge. And today it's it's just normal. I mean, our grandparents, right, could do this. Um, it's it's a fascinating how, how much it's made been easy and, and so, yeah, I, I love it that we've been able to connect how easy, right, it is. And we're, we're talking about, you know, hey, how, how ways we can connect and help each other out, right, and in respect of businesses. So now let's go to the personal side a bit. I'm curious, you know, we we don't have any, as Greg, we don't have any slackers, as you know, that come on the show. We have a lot of high-performing, incredible individuals that come under this. What type of habits have you developed in your life to help you do your best performance? Well, for me... Um, I used to be the type that was, you know, the engineer analytical, I'm not an engineer. All I'm saying is, is that I was of the mindset, like many people get indoctrinated, indoctrinated too, which is we need to analyze the crap out of something and find all the ways that it can't work. Um, and I've learned, you still got to do that to a certain degree, but I worry about it after. And I don't know if that makes sense, but what I'm saying is, is that I make the move on stuff. And that was the one of the biggest learning curves for me, which was just getting out of my head and you cut and going with your gut a lot is like, and that comes with, there's like an algorithm we all develop, right? Over life and experiences and things we see, the mistakes we've made. Um, and it's just going with that gut, that algorithm and the gut that says, you know, I got a good feeling about this. I've been wrong about that too, but it's just taking action. And, um, but I guess where, what I meant there was, you know, that at the beginning, it's the taking the action and learning through the process. Cause you're never fully ready. It's like when I had kids, um, I still have kids, but when we had them, my wife and I, you know, you're never fully ready for that sort of thing. You know, and if you ever think you're going to be, well, you're never going to have kids because it's just one of those things that you do it and you're going to figure it out as you go. Well, I find business and not even just business, anything in life is like, for example, like I'm, I'm, I'm working on this, something with this guy. That's a logistics. I was telling you earlier, this logistics innovation, I won't share any more than that, but I think there's a good joint venture with some Amex people. So I'm reaching out to, you know, all the major people in, in Amex to say, hey, I've got this idea. It would be great for your user base, blah, blah, blah. Um, and at one time, I would have been scared to do that. You know, oh, why would they talk to me? And, you know, you tell yourself all these things like, um, why would they talk to me? I'm just Greg, you know, but it's 
yeah, but they're the same. They're just, they're people too. And we all have these fears and all these things that we worry are going to happen don't happen in most cases. So, um, so that's, that's one of the biggest things that I had to get through myself and then small thinking to big thinking. Um, when I was sharing a little bit about my story, I was, I said, um, I was looking for a new adventure or new venture in business. And the one before that, there was a venture before that, which was a small venture. And what I learned about from that was that it's harder to do smaller things than it is to do bigger things. Sure. And what I mean by that is nobody is excited about a little tiny business you know, investors, I mean, those types of, you know, and, and people like surrounding yourself with people that are wiser and smarter than you, they're not really interested in that unless it's your Uncle Bob or whatever. And nothing against Uncle Bob, but it depends on your aspirations in life. Minor, you know, I got pretty lofty goals. So I shifted and realized, okay, well, this isn't going to work based on what I want to accomplish. So if I shifted it to a bigger goal, then finally people started to want to help with that and you know and then you get people's attention when it comes to investing and type these types of things so i would say mindset mindset is absolutely everything when it comes to um business and continually practicing how to think about things differently than other people and i was raised by a man that taught me how to do that fortunately how to be different not just for the sake of being different but for the sake of, um, that's that's the it makes you unique. It makes you stand out, and there's benefits in that, you know. And I don't know if you had that plan at the time, but that's what happened. And uh, so it's funny you get further in life and you realize this is what all the the experts are saying is you know you've got to create blue ocean strategies or unique selling propositions or market dominating positions in business to be in the blue ocean not the red ocean and if anybody's not familiar with that that's what that is is a lot of people compete on price and they're in the the red ocean all fighting over the same thing but if you can come up with a blue ocean strategy where you're not competing with everybody else that makes you unique in the marketplace, which creates a whole bunch of other things. Um, pricing, marketing, all that stuff becomes a lot easier, right? So for sure. So, no. so so yeah, to answer your question, mindset and always exercising the mind to be thinking differently, listening, reading, all that stuff. All right. So uh one of my favorite questions, Greg. I, I love oh, to ask is is a book what what book influenced you that you would love to and what's going to be a recent book that really got you excited about or perhaps something that was written a long time ago that you'd love to share with our audience that is like if you haven't read this you've got to read this book um geez that's a tough one um I would say, I don't want to name something that everybody names, you know, like, I mean, there's obviously the good ones that everybody starts off with down the road, down the journey of, 
like you know think and grow rich and all those those are great but i think the book that had the biggest impact on me was um either the speed of trust or his dad's book which was seven habits of highly affected people yeah both excellent books yeah yeah those books particularly the one lesson out of the seven habits which was just don't try and control everything try and control what affects your life immediately you Mm -hmm. know because i used to get so caught up in and i still do but in politics and geopolitics and all that stuff because i love it but sometimes i have to tune out and get back to what's going on in my life you know so so that's speed of trust though really good yeah, it's it's interesting because um, the seven habits highly effective thing is, of course, a classic, right? That's a not as many people know about the speed of trust, and I think the core of it, just by itself, just for is is just that when you have trust, things move faster. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it, it's just funny though today, like I was saying, that trust clients are tough because trust is so hard to get, and if people just keeping your that was i'll add to my things here an additional thing that i learned along the way which was under promise and over deliver that was huge for me mm-hmm. that was so huge for me tactically and in a mindset way um because if i can tell somebody i you know i know i can deliver this thing i'm not gonna i i, I can deliver it in two weeks but I tell them three and then I deliver in two weeks, you're setting the expectations and it's just, it, it is just so invaluable in my opinion. So I can't remember where I learned that, but. Well, it, it's out arguing what you do in terms of helping organizations to sell their business. I would argue it's the most important thing to help yes. create credibility with your investors, whether you're ingoing or the outgoing management team. There is nothing worse than beating, not meeting your investors' expectations of your earnings. There's no value. There's no value in saying you could do more than what you could actually do. Because you all you do is you remove confidence in who you are, which ultimately, you know, goes against your integrity that that you're a strong manager. And and um anyways, I, I just I agree with you. I think that premise is huge. It's yes. huge for investing. It's huge in our day to day, and and um, and, and a bonus about bonus for you and I, Carl, is you know not a lot of people are doing that today, keeping their word on things and delivering on time, if not before. So anybody that can actually do that is going to win today because it's not it's not happening, right? Yes. So. All right. So finally, Greg, how can people reach out and connect to get to know more about you? Um, they can find me um, metalmergercorp.com, which is the um, metal industry. Um, I, do, I have a blog. I've got my uh, YouTube and podcast on there. Lots of good industry information. Um, I can be found on LinkedIn. Just type in Greg Sheldon. If you Google Greg Sheldon, I'll come up number one. Yes, I've Googled my name. 
<laughs> well, you were the first one to admit it. So thank you, Greg. Yeah, no problem. Uh, so I, at least it came up first for me, but yeah. So Greg Sheldon, and um, I just want to add this, that we don't just buy businesses too. It's sometimes there's a bridging of the gap. It's like, they know they want to sell, but they're emotionally attached, right? So their valuation is not um, as a buyer accurate. So it's bridging the gap from that where they think they are now to actually getting them there. So there's a lot of things that, you know, guys like ourselves can do to actually get them there. Right. So, so that's, you know, something as well that yeah. I do um, in the world. And then my podcast is uh, metal steel manufacturing and industry or business pros podcast. So. Perfect. Yeah. Greg, no, it's, it's been a, uh, Pleasure to have you on today. I love the insights that you help provide to our audience. And thank you so much for being a guest on the Measure Success Podcast. Well, thank you very much. It's my pleasure. And to everyone else who's listening, thank you for listening uh, to Greg here, his insights. Hope you enjoyed that. Secondly, uh, of course, you know, one of the reasons why we've become uh, one of the top global podcasts is because of you, you listening, your downloads. And also, we appreciate the ratings. We got um, tons of five-star ratings. We would love to, if you haven't written a rating for us, please do so. Um, go out there to your favorite podcast platform, do a rating on us, and that helps continue us to help climb the charts. So with that, as we always say, wishing you the very best and measuring your success. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Measure Success Podcast. We'll see you again next time to learn from the best. Remember to subscribe now to get future episodes.